Welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Hello and welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers. Taking a close look at your team's collective knowledge, skills, and abilities, otherwise known as KSA, can align your talent to organizational needs. The best organizations align personnel with the most talent to perform the most critical functions. These concepts are straightforward, but implementation often proves difficult. When disruption hits like COVID-19 and your margin for error shrinks, talent deficits can impinge on your ability to get back on track. In this webinar, Weaver's Alyssa Martin and Adam Jones address how KSA assessments can set organizations and their employees up for success. Listen now to their engaging discussion. And we are very happy to have you join us for setting people up for success. The webinar will take us through the knowledge, skills, and abilities assessment. And we're going to start with how people are aligned in their organization, how they might get misaligned in their organization, what KSA each represent and a process to ask the right questions through this evaluation. We'll talk about areas of common focus for knowledge, skills, and abilities assessment and the observations that we and you can make during that process. And then finally, show you an illustrative view of trying to take all of the learnings from the process and put it into one place to identify potential gaps and opportunities to strengthen your organization. And Elisa, we'll have some thought questions along the way, which we look forward to, and should be a great discussion about how we allocate resources during disruptive times. Absolutely. So let's start with how do we help people succeed? Now, alignment is what we all strive to have in our organizations. We strive to have the right people in the right seats going the right direction. And we want the right level of talent. But what is right? That's hard to know. So the best organizations align the, the personnel that have the most talent, who have capacity and development opportunities, and they put those individuals in the most critical functions. That allows the organization to grow and individuals to grow through that process. But that's not always what we have. So that's just not always the case. Sometimes we have misalignment in an organization. And, you know, as Adam and I consult with companies of all industry sectors, we see pockets of misalignment that are known and quickly rectified. And we see pockets of misalignment where a knowledge, skills, and assessment could be of value. Misalignment happens for many reasons. It's not that we intentionally have people in the wrong spot. It's that over time, organizations change. The job descriptions and responsibilities, they evolve. Growth opportunities happen within an organization and within your talent pool. And so the business need changes also have to, to be mapped to your talent need changes. And this is an opportunity to identify where you need to recruit different competency, um, potentially new competencies into your organization. But we will say the worst thing you can do is make the wrong hire and hires that bring forth a skill set that doesn't complement others and allows for some disruption in the talent pool. Those are really 
where your misalignment is most noticed. Wouldn't you say, Adam? And, they, and that can really have a long-lasting impact. We had a commenter when we previously presented Elisa that asked us the question, are you better off running a staff shorthanded or uh-huh. filling a position with somebody who's the wrong fit? The answer is always you're better off with people who fit together, even if the work demands are a little misaligned, than adding the wrong employee to a team. That's, that's true. So that misalignment is something that we all identify and work on a, on a reoccurring basis to get right. So here's a question to consider for your organization. What's the biggest challenge your employees face? Is it lack of advancement opportunity? Is it professional development or training programs? Is it quality of management? Could it be the work demands, Adam, like you talked about? And there are times where adding some capacity is necessary. And then we often find adapting to change. Organizations sometimes um, adapt to change in, in different ways, in different parts of the organization, different functions. Um, and then not all individuals adapt to change in the same way. Boy, Elisa, there's a lot of a change to adapt to right now. If, uh, if we <laughs> sure. talk to managers around the country, I think there's a lot of change adaption. Some of that, of course, uh, has to do with tele- teleworking and business disruption. But even when you adapt to those changes, you still have to look at some of these other factors, um, lack of advancement opportunities. You don't want a frustrated employee base. Uh, you don't want a group of employees that never get better because they lack professional development or training. You always have to look at quality of management when you consider if folks are in the right place. Sometimes they, are, they don't have the right management or leadership and they could thrive in a different situation. So for our listeners, this is a, these are questions to consider as you reflect on your, your company and your employees. Let's talk about what KSA is, Adam. Well, the Knowledge, Skills, and Abilities Assessment actually comes out of human resources. And the original concept was for job seekers. So a job seeker looking for a particular position would fill out, they would assess their own knowledge, skills, and ability and try and come to a right fit. So it had to do with recruitment of the right employees. And it's still an effective tool for that. But today, we're going to turn it a little on on its head. And we're going to talk about the value of taking a knowledge, skills, and abilities assessment of the folks on your current team. So uh, we're going to document the knowledge, skills, abilities of employees in your organization. And we're going to do it in the context of the job they're assigned and what you're trying to accomplish as an organization. Sometimes it applies to the collective needs of the organization. Um, the example I threw out, do we have enough security analysts giving our current IT environment? We have gaps where we have a lot of vacancies or turnovers. So you're looking at individual skills. You're looking at what an organization needs collectively in terms of staffing. And I, I have a table below on this slide that talks about the difference between knowledge, skills, and ability. Because the three terms get interspersed a lot. They do get interspersed. Just, just adding that they don't mean the same thing. They don't. And, and that's the big, that's important part of this. When we look at knowledge, uh, we're talking about the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. If you have somebody who has an accounting degree, 
you expect there's to be certain uh, places where they have knowledge about accounting, about credits and debits and financial reporting. Um, so knowledge is gained through learning, experience, degrees, and you, how you apply that knowledge is skill. Basically, the proficiencies you develop through training or experience. Um, you develop skills with practice. You hope if you hire, say, a, uh, somebody in a machine shop, that person is better after three or four years of experience than they are uh, when they initially show up. I know uh, Elisa understands this because her family has a background in high-end vintage motorcycles. <laughs> so your machinist and repairman get better over time, right? <laughs> they do, but they sometimes have to use the same tools as those who they learned from as well. And so definitely knowledge is one thing, but your skill and your skill re refinement comes from the collaboration and the training as well as your own effort that you put into it. That last column's ability, and that's the quality of being able to do something. And people with a similar knowledge base and similar skills experience do not perform jobs similarly. So ability is how well you perform a job relative to other folks in the agency. So when you talk about the difference makers in your organization, those are the people who take knowledge and skills and have a lot of ability to leverage those knowledge, knowledge and skills. That ability may be a, a natural talent for public speaking or analysis. That ability, Elisa, can sometimes just flat be work ethic, right? Absolutely, and we hope to unveil some of that talent um, during the KSA. Individuals who have ability and you want to tap into some untapped access of um, opportunity for growth, development, and some stretch. And that goes back to your slide about putting the talented people in the right position. And we hope a KSA can help you figure that out. So when you embark on a KSA, you ask some fundamental questions right off the bat. Determining your collective knowledge, skills, and abilities, you need to ask questions about your organization. And I've put them in a few categories. Um, you need to ask some questions about your HR function, which is sort of fundamental to running a KSA. You need to ask some questions about talent and proficiency within your organization. And then you need to ask about broad organization and how you deploy your talent. Let's start with human resources. When I look at human resources questions and start any KSA, the first thing we look at is really simple. Does a job description exist for each position and is it accurate? If you interview an employee and ask, what's your job? One of the things you always compare it against is, does HR have a description of that job on file and is it accurate? And have those responsibilities evolved over time, which is sort of the next bullet. Do the responsibilities assigned to the position still meet the current needs of the organization? Are they reflective of what the organization needs? And does the employee understand those responsibilities? The next bullet talks about communication. It's amazing to be in environments where people don't really understand what their jobs are. And finally, a couple of key components of HR is evaluation. Has the employee's performance been evaluated? Is it evaluated over time? 
And do those evaluations provide useful information? Elise, we've been on a lot of engagements together. We've seen uh, a broad array of evaluation quality in organizations. And, and talk a little bit about why that makes a difference. Absolutely. The evaluation process is where your management team and the individual align their goals. So if you're trying to have an organization that is aligned, the evaluation process is a formal effort to do that. But evaluations can come in many forms. They can come with a year-end evaluation, performance review that's tied to compensation. That's helpful. That's the most common. But project evaluations, end of engagement evaluations, are also immensely helpful and actually better information to the employee and to the management team about how you're doing throughout the process. Best yet, if we can get a true 360-degree evaluation of an individual, those who work with them alongside are supervised by them or whose work is reviewed and, and accepted by someone above them, allows an individual to, to really get a full evaluation of their performance, which should include the capture of the knowledge, the execution of that knowledge against the job responsibility, and the demonstration that they have abilities to take on more. And so don't only focus on evaluations. Often what happens is the evaluation may be rote or a routine process that isn't as thorough as we would need that to be here in a KSA. Thoroughness is important. Specificity is important. And one of the things I like that you pointed out is multiple perspectives are important. When you have a solid evaluation system, it's a lot easier to ask talent and proficiency questions. And here are a few of the kind of next level questions we look at in a KSA. One's easy. What degrees, certifications, and training are required for the position? In other words, what knowledge are you looking for? Is it still up to date? Is it not? Are we um, falling behind with uh, current thought in a particular dis discipline? So the knowledge base you're looking for is an important part. What are the different aspects of the job and how proficient is the employee at those aspects? Now we're getting into skills. There's a lot of variety in the skills employees have and deploy. Some of that is a result of folks getting better training than others. Some of it is a result of folks having better supervision than others, but it all plays into how people apply that knowledge and then the importance of how well does the employee perform the job relative to others. And this is the third time we've repeated it. Are your best employees, Elisa, doing the most important jobs? And are your best employees in jobs that they like, that they thrive in, uh, that really make a difference to the organization. And when you get into that, what kind of continuing professional education and training are employees completing that lead to those results? And, and you put a lot of emphasis on training, both in your own career as a supervisor, Lisa. Absolutely. And, and you also put a lot of emphasis on observing just your employee interaction. And so they'll see that employee who steps up, takes on more, and helps, even compensates for what other employees aren't able to do, to be able to, to, to work as a team. You also see the employee who's willing to potentially pass off certain responsibilities to others who might choose 
those responsibilities or who um, seem to be um, more engaged with those responsibilities. All of that is noticed, but I would say this is not a, a top-down view. There's very, it's very much important to have a 360 view in a KSA and getting the employee's perspective is part of that. And you'll talk about the, the questions that we ask of the employees as well as of those who interact with, within the team. Absolutely. Before we leave some of the fundamentals, there are also organizational questions to consider. How are positions compensated? How does that compare to the market? How many vacancies exist across the organization? And is there a pattern to the vacancies? So we're back to the collective. We're teasing out where employees' individual skills best work for an agency. We're teasing out where pockets of real talent are and how that's deployed. When you look at all positions, sometimes you have to address questions of compensation or competitiveness in your own labor market, or why you have vacancies or turnover in some departments and not others. All of these come into play when you take a broad look at the collective KSA of an organization. So, Elisa, we've talked about the organization, but let's talk about areas of focus and some of the components that we look at in key areas when we look at a KSA. Absolutely. And many times we focus a KSA on a particular function, a particular function that is important and often pervasive across the organization. It's really important to know how the KSA might impact the performance of the area. And so what do you need to know about the talent pool or the, the population of employees and your job responsibilities across that talent pool? Areas like HR, that we've been talking about is a common area for uh, knowledge, skills, and ability, especially as people demands continue to change. But procurement and IT tend to be the most pervasive that we see, whereby in an organization that relies on strategic purchasing and the procurement process for all of their vendor relationships, that procurement area does touch both the front of the house and the back of the house. And so that particular area is a common one where you can have a, a large variety of job responsibilities and a large, large variety of skills and potentially over time can have some misalignment. IT, as you mentioned earlier, Adam, it is a very competitive market and it's, it's a skill set that the pervasiveness of change and the amount of change in um, IT professionals is hard to keep up with for job descriptions and organizational structure. And so IT areas are often something that we look at, both in where technology is the backbone of the organization, it serves up to um, the employees of the organization, but also where IT is part of the company's deployment model, where it's an externally facing model. The technology is one that we, we often will see um, as a focal point for a knowledge, skills, and ability. One of the things I'd point out here is in cybersecurity, folks outside your organization are getting better at hacking your systems. For sure. <laughs> you always want to make sure your security staff is keeping up with the folks they're up against. And that, a KSA is sometimes helpful for identifying best practice in some of those security functions. And a KSA is also helpful in, a, in an area that might have been stable for a long time, but because of organizational change or regulatory change, 
you need new and different skill sets or you need to check, potentially look at the roles that people are in. And finance is a good version of that. Um, if, you, if you're in an organization whose corporate model or capitalization model has moved from private to public, or you've got a change in your funding or a change in your reporting requirements, that then allows you to have a more narrow focus on, do you have the right people in the right positions to execute the work that's now required? We have the same consideration in operations areas like customer relations or production and logistics. Earlier you mentioned um, a, a technical, someone technical on the, the floor, a, a, and it's important to recognize that a knowledge, skills, and ability assessment can absolutely be performed over your technical operational areas. And we want to make sure that that management team has the opportunity to take a, a step back and look at the labor force that are working in the production areas as well. Absolutely. This leads us to um, really a, a question for you. It's something for, for you to consider as you're considering your own organization. Now, where could you gain the most through better talent allocation or deployment? Where could your talent pool be um, exploited and unleashed opportunity or modified um, in order to best gain the best the performance out of your collective employee set? And so consider those areas. Consider HR, procurement, IT, finance, or operation areas as to a focal point for a knowledge skills assessment. I think, Adam, we often do a knowledge skills assessment. It's easier to, to identify the functions or the departments to consider versus the whole organization as a, in one fell swoop, right? That's right. And when an, an organization is finding itself up against barriers to its success, and we see this both in the private sector and the public sector, what are the limiting factors? Do you have systems that are not up to par? Do you have a lot of legacy systems that get in the way of you doing efficient work? Do you have supply chain problems? Do you have talent gaps? Are you no longer communicating with your customers as efficiently as you used to be? Well, the starting points when leadership performs a KSA is to figure out what are those factors that are limiting our success? And try and hone in on those and seeing where you can best look at the KSA of different factors and um, areas of your own organization. And that's a point of misalignment. That point of limiting our success is are the resources that we bring to bear, the people, the process, the technology, are they optimized to have the organization succeed on its mission, goals, strategic objectives? This is the people side of that optimization. And when you look at the people side, you don't just stop by looking through um, uh, documentation, evaluation, sort of how your organization is structured. At some point, you have to talk to folks. And personal questions and observations play a big role when you're considering how to roll out a knowledge, skills, and abilities assessment. So one of the things I always do in an organization when I am walking around and um, trying to tease out what's going on in an organizational is I, I use what's called a, a four-question exercise. I will sit with folks and ask some version of these four questions in an interview. Do I know what my job is? Do I know how I'm doing at my job? 
Do I like what I do? And do I like the people I work with? You can ask all kinds of interview questions, but if you ask these four, you're really going to get at where a person feels like they fit within an organization. And the more yes answers you get, the better off you are when people understand their job, when people feel like they get meaningful feedback. And those last two questions that I put stars on are really important when you're looking at how culture impacts KSA. Do I like what I do? Do I like the people I work with? This sounds a little bit, we used to use the term touchy-feely. Sometimes we use the term soft skills. I don't want you to think that way because think about how many yes answers your employees have, especially around job satisfaction and team camaraderie, can mean a lot when you're assessing an organization. You can tease out motivation, morale. You can tease out what areas are struggling. You can tell whether people treat each other well. Uh, one of the things I always say, Lisa, it's hard to hide dysfunction. And we just, see it all the time. Just walking around the halls, you can tell whether an organization's thriving or whether it's not. And the opposite's also true, Lisa. It's hard to fake functional. You can do it for a while, but you can't do it forever. So you have to have some one-on-ones. You have to have some interviews. You actually have to talk about how employees view their organizations and view their role on it. Now, when we do this, there's a danger. And this is a very important point that I want Elisa to, to also elaborate on. You're going to embark on some activities that include pulling personnel files, reviewing job descriptions, reviewing evaluations and the evaluation systems. Sometimes you might perform a compensation study, then you start interviewing staff. You're going to create a great amount of stress in your organization. Always in this generation of professionals, we've all seen the movie Office Space. When the bobs show up and they start asking questions about, so what is it you say you do here? You create stress, and that upfront communication is essential. Lisa, I know you talk a lot about communication tips for leaders. What are some of the important things to remember here? Well, the first thing is we're not the bobs, thank goodness. <laughs> goodness. Um, and if an organization is truly trying to align with their growth plans and align their talent pool with the their operational responsibilities, then it's a mutual opportunity to put the right people in the right positions and to optimize each individual what each individual contributes to the organization. And you got to start with that communication. You got to tell both the management team that you're working with if you're looking at a particular function and the employees who currently come to work every day to perform that function why we're doing this and be Absolutely. honest and safe about it. Certainly, if someone knows they're struggling with their with a position or they've gotten complacent, that's going to show up. But it will show up in, the, in your four questions and in your interviews. So this is all about making us a effective group, making the function effective at its operations. And we've pointed out already, there are external influences. There are business tactics like updating job responsibilities and recognizing the changes that have occurred over time that have nothing to do with the people 
those individuals who, who are currently performing those positions are already accommodating how they can or how they've been told to. And so the people is the focus of the KSA, but the process and the technology su to support that process are also equally important. And if you start with that conversation first, before you embark down the review of job descriptions and evaluation of the current placement of individuals in job responsibilities and the evaluations, it becomes less personal and more about the function as a whole. And that's what we want everyone to realize. The organizational knowledge, skills, and ability assessment is it about the organization. Absolutely. The people are a big part of that organization. And the more upfront and transparent an organization can be, the more successful you're likely to be when you put it all together. So let's put it all together, Lisa. Tell me what we're looking at. Well, we tend to, to, to like matrices when we try have a lot of data points and we want to put them all in one place. And so once you've gone through the process to evaluate what people have to do, who your, your capacity is, who's currently in those spots now, and what the requirements, the true requirements of the responsibility is, you can put all of that content into one place to tease out any weak points or potential gaps that exist. And so this is an illustration of a matrix that allows you to have the first half focused on what we have to do, like what are the requirements. And so you take of a function, in this particular case, this is a large IT department as an example, and you take each of the positions that are in that IT function from the CIO to the CISO and the, the information security officer all the way down to the help desk operator or the individual who supplies or, uh, or adjusts your printers, all the way down that group and identify what are those particular skills or abilities that are necessary across the entire pool of talent to be able to be performed. And not any one position is expected to have the full breadth of what those responsibilities are. Then separately, that's the gray columns. Then separately, we look at the blue columns. And those blue columns are, who do we have currently seated in those positions? And how will we be able to see what we, what's required and what gaps we might have. Now you'll notice at the bottom, there's markings for green, yellow, and red. Green is where it, you, the assessment is acceptable and we meet and have the right level of responsibilities. Yellow is partial and then red is inadequate. We also have gray where there are some skills or um, responsibility that won't be applicable to a particular function. And so this is a way to have a visual key and to really see the entire responsibilities across the people that are seated there. And are we mainly green and yellow? If so, you don't have a lot of gaps. Right. And what are those gaps? And we hone in on what you might include in those skills and abilities. They, can, they, sh they should be things that are the responsibility at its highest level, like strategic planning and resource planning, project management. But they also can be at your lowest level down to administrative responsibilities and media services or data services. This is an IT example. And so this scans about 
15 to 20 different attributes, I would try not to have more than 20 attributes because you should be able to get down your primary skills in less than 20 attributes and identify where the importance is for that particular skill at what function and what position in that group. And it's a little bit qualitative here. You're looking across skill sets, Elisa, and a combination of both knowledge, proficiency, and ability in any of those columns leads to uh, wondering whether you are adequate. You use a, a, a standard stoplight code here, or whether a function needs help because of because of whatever deficit that might occur during your um, organization. Absolutely, and your current fit of the knowledge, skills, and ability is by far a qualitative assessment. The more critical assessment is really knowing which attributes to put in these columns so that you're assessing the right thing. The next half is who do you really have seated in the, that, the particular positions? So what is their, their name? What position do they currently hold? How long have they been there? Potentially they've moved up to that position over time. What is the compensation? Is that compensation adequate based on some other criteria to benchmark against? Potentially you have a compensation study or you have an uh, evaluated study for the industry group or the, the particular job function. And then what description requirements are met? Um, and ultimately, does this individual qualify from acceptable and, and adequate all the way up to inadequate? Does it, do they qualify given the current placement? I know this is where um, it can become very personal and that going back to that communication, we're not looking at job replacement necessarily. Sometimes it happens, but that is certainly not the, the emphasis. The emphasis is of my employee base and of the talent and skills we have, are they in the right place to meet the needs of that function for the organization as a whole, going from potentially misalignment to alignment? I think this is an area that you spend a lot of more time in, Adam. I do. And, and when you look at some of these, some of these are quantitative measurable things. How long has somebody been doing the job they're doing? What is their salary? How does it compare to the market? But you kind of dig deep when you look at an entire division, some patterns start to emerge. You may see a certain group of employees with uh, not very much longevity. Maybe you don't have a lot of experience in database administration, or you see some areas with more vacancies than others. Maybe you see some folks in your agency seem to be compensated, you know, relatively well according to the labor market, and some folks in the same division are not. So you see a lot of patterns around HR, but you're also figuring out who is qualified and who is not to do the job that you have outlined, that you have described, that you're trying to apply responsibilities for? One of the things we also see, Elisa, is every once in a while we'll find somebody overqualified. We will look at each other and say, why is this person still doing this job? Is it a lack of training? Is it a lack of advancement opportunity? Or do they just not have the right place for this particular person to do a job. You, you get all sorts of things when you look person by person and try and tease out qualification. But you're right. The pattern and the advantage of putting it in a matrix format is to be able to have a high level view of the whole. 
and what you're looking for is those that pattern and large brushes of um, either misalignment or potential weaknesses. We also could have a weakness in this example in cyber or in information security. And that weakness is widespread across all organizations. And so that you may have to live with some weaknesses as well, as you know. And so the decisions made off of the assessment are going to be specific to the organization. But the assessment itself and how to conduct that assessment can be followed by the, the strategy and the questions and the information that Adam and I have conveyed today just to be able to get that point in time assessment, that pattern. I would say it's almost like a photograph of the current makeup of the talent pool for that particular function. Absolutely. We have covered a lot today and we really appreciate everybody continuing a conversation with us. But we wanted to summarize a few key points. And the first is the thoughtful and well-executed KSA that's well aligned to what you want to accomplish can really result in meaningful change. And we hope that that change can be sustainable. It may change how you allocate talent. You may change your professional development and training strategy, uh, help employee morale. Uh, and one of the most important things we pointed out is sometimes it can help your recruiting strategy. If a KSA helps you figure out we're not getting the right people because we're not recruiting the right folks, then that is a huge consideration in your future resource planning um, in how you're looking for the right folks and recruiting them. So we talk about recruitment, but employee morale and professional development is all about retention. Absolutely. So being able to retain that talent that you identify is a byproduct of the assessment that the company will greatly benefit from. So let's remember some of the strategies that we went through today. First, think through and communicate your motivation. Be clear about why you're doing this and what you plan to gain from it. Give your employee base a safety net. Indicate that this is not to identify the, the lack of performance or to, to cut low performance or to justify those changes. This is all about maximizing your talent resources so that those resources can align with the process and the responsibilities of that function or of that organization. You gotta collect the right data. Look at the important things, but remember to ask questions. And so that right data and questions is both sides. It's those individuals charged with managing that function or executing against the, the responsibilities as well as the talent and the staff that are in that team and talking to both sides to get their information brings forth an accurate reflection of what really is the current condition. Once you do that, you can visualize the results. We showed you a matrix. That matrix is something that we use to be able to put it all in one place. And then once you visualize those results and you evaluate them, communicate the key findings communicate the key observations, and if they're actionable and actions will come, make sure that you're transparent in the decisions around those actions. Absolutely. Upfront communication is important and end of project communication. Yes. So the, the why and what you're going to do with it is a big part of communicating your results. So we appreciate your time today. 
we hope that you've had an opportunity to learn a little bit more about how a knowledge, skills, and ability assessment can be, be of value to your organization, potentially across the organization or within a function. Reflect on those questions. What is the biggest challenge that challenges that your employees face? What could your organization benefit from by doing a knowledge skills assessment? Thank you very much for your time. And Adam, I appreciate being able to present with you today. We work together a lot and hopefully that will continue as we continue to do knowledge, skills, and abilities for our clients. I really appreciate our partnership. We'd love to continue the conversation. Our emails are below and um, we thank you for having an interest in Weaver. Thank you, Adam and Elisa, for all of that information. Really, really insightful and, and appreciate that. Before we wrap up, I want to tell everyone about Weaver's Resilience and Recovery Resource Center on Weaver.com. We certainly understand that these are uncertain times, and in order to help, we are launching new resources literally every day to help organizations and leaders during this time. New content includes webinars, podcasts, videos, articles, etc. We're also developing industry-specific insights for manufacturing, energy, financial services, healthcare, government, and many more. So definitely check out that resource center. Go there as often as you'd like because we are adding content on a regular basis. And also let us know of any topics that you would like us to cover. We're happy to consider those suggestions. If you have questions about the KSA assessment, or if you'd like to speak to us directly, certainly reach out, let us know. As Adam said, uh, we're happy to answer any questions that you have. And with that, thank you again for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Weaver Beyond the Numbers. We'll be back soon with more episodes covering workforce optimization and mitigating organizational risks. Until next time, join us on LinkedIn for timely thought leadership discussions. Oh, 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 o